How you guys doing today? Good to see you. You guys sound good, man. I uh, I love that song. Um, first time doing it here. We'll probably probably do it quite a few more times. Um, but man, most of you guys know John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Man, I love that song. It's just straight scripture. It's just singing singing truth. And you know, thinking about that song this week. You know, it made me really realize, like, that's why, that's why we're here today, because God loved, and God gave. Whoever believes in his son, Jesus, will have eternal life, not because of your work or anything you do, but we are justified by our faith in Jesus. We are made right with God through our faith in Jesus, not by anything we do, but that's like the crux of our faith is the cross of Jesus, not just the cross, but that he rose on third day, that we serve a resurrected, alive King Jesus. And that's why we're here today. So I'm just going to pray for us. I'm, I'm excited you're here. So Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're here today, God. I thank you whether we feel close to you or whether we feel far away from you, God. You say nothing can separate us from your love, Jesus. And so I pray that each and every person knows in this room today, God, that you see them, that you love them, that you have a plan for them, that you are closer than we could ever know, God, that you are closer than our breath, God. So let faith arise in this place today, God. I pray that you would speak, that you would move, that we would leave here differently because we saw you more clearly, God. Give us your eyes today. Give us your ears. Give us your heart. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good to see you guys. This is my first time at the 12, what is this, 1230 service now? I'm getting used to it too, I guess. Uh, we got the, the Lions going on later to the day. Uh, is, do I still have any Lions fans after last week? There's still some of you. I'm on the fence, man. I'm, uh, I'm lukewarm in my, my faith in the Lions right now. But, but uh, Kim kind of said it. We're actually starting a new series today called Intentional Acts of kindness, which is different. I think most often we hear the, the term random acts of kindness. And, and the reason I, I like the series being called intentional acts of kindness, because as we just sang, God's love is very intentional. I think there's like kind of the thought process, process in the world, like, man, do whatever feels right to you, you know, love whatever you want. Like, this is what love looks like. We clearly see what love looks like in the scriptures. We clearly see that God is love. And so love it's not just about doing what you want. It's actually about giving something. God says that I so love the world that I gave, that there's something about an intentionality of unconditional love, that as followers of Jesus, as we've been loved by him, we actually love in a way that the world does not love. When someone's mean to us, we actually can extend love. Why? Because when we were God's enemy, he showed love to us, and we start to love in the very same way that he loves and so it's fun, even within this series, we're going to kind of give you guys like an action plan to kind of mobilize us out of here of kind of a kindness, an intentional act of kindness campaign, which we'll get to later on. But over this three-week series, we're going to talk about how we intentionally love people, how we intentionally show kindness for the name and for the glory of Jesus, that our lives would make him famous by the way that we act. And I think first and foremost, love starts with the way that we see people. I think when we see people, then it gets to our heart, right? We start to maybe have a different emotion, and then we actually act differently with our hands. So the first week, we're talking about our eyes. The second week, we're going to talk about our heart. 
And the third week, we're going to talk about our hands and how God can use all those things to love people. But today, I want to focus specifically on our eyes. And some of you might have been in a midweek a few months ago. I kind of gave this message. I've tweaked it a little bit. But the, the title of this message that I called it is God Goggles. And what God Goggles are, I, I brought some, some, some lenses. These are my wife's clear frames right here. But these are lenses. And when you put them on, these aren't prescriptions, so I see the same. But... You guys know when you put lenses on, you start to see things differently. Even if you look through a colored lens, you see through that color. And there's something different about God, the way he views things, the way he views people. And I believe there's actually a, an ability uh, through the Holy Spirit of God, right, that we would start to see people, that we would start to see situations the way God sees them. I would say, what are God goggles? They are seeing people in situations the way that God does. And so it's interesting as I think about that, um, how many of you guys, did any of you guys go down to Detroit ever, you know, just to eat or do anything like that? I see a few of you guys. But me and my wife, Jenna, we, we love going down there. I remember a few years ago, we went to this really cool spot. Uh, I've talked about it before. It was called the Detroit Institute of Bagels. Anyone been there? They have good bagels. And, and so we went down there, and hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you guys out a little bit, because um, I said this to the other services, and I know... You know, it's 1230, but I'm actually inviting people and giving you permission. If I say something you like, you can give me a little amen. 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 Come on, come on. Maybe even a come on, right? So if you, like, you, if you like what I'm saying, I'm just giving you permission. If you want to clap, if you want to, you know, whatever. You guys have permission. The louder you are, the better I'll preach, okay? And so, so that's, that's always true. And, and so we went down to the Detroit Institute of Bagels. We went there, what I soon found, like it's this really cool spot, good food. We were just hanging out and I was looking around and what I figured out was this was like a renovated building. Like it used to be a manufacturer for car parts, I believe. And so I'm looking around it and they like renovated the whole thing, right? And so I was thinking about it. How interesting in that place, right, that this building was probably vacated. It was looked at as not valuable, you you know, it was an outcast, right? People probably drove by it all the time and saw no significance and no worth in it once it got shut down. But on one day, someone drove by it and they actually carried a different vision for this building than anyone else, right? Someone drove by and where everyone else drove by and didn't see anything good, they drove by and said, oh my gosh, there's something I could do with that. There's something valuable there. And because they viewed it as valuable, it actually started to change the way they acted towards it. They viewed it as valuable, right? And they actually put down a down payment to buy that land. And once they bought that land, I'm sure they hired workers to build up the walls and transform the building. So now it is actually transforming the community. What happened? Someone drove by and they had a different vision. They had God goggles on, right? They saw something somewhere where no one else saw something. And because of their fresh vision, something fresh is happening within that place. I thought, how much in the same way I know in my own life, or maybe you feel like this, or maybe you've looked at people and you've just driven by them and you see no value in them, right? You've seen, you've seen you know, that's, they're kind of outcasts. It's kind of a broken down building. I don't think anyone could really do anything like that. What's beautiful about God, right, is he drives by each and every one of us. It says, as we are still sinners, Christ died for us, right? And he says, you know, the world might not see this as valuable, but I see it so valuable, and I have a vision for this person that maybe no one else sees. I believe in this so much, I'm gonna put a down payment on this with the blood of Jesus, my one and only son. That's the value that I see in this person. Furthermore than that, oh, I heard somebody. <laughs> furthermore than that, furthermore than that, 
right? He puts down the down payment. His spirit comes in. What happens? He starts to transform us inwardly. And as we are transformed inwardly, we actually start to become a building of Christ to transform the society around us. That's the gospel, right? And where does that start, right? Where does that start? It starts with vision. It starts with seeing something that no one else can see. Maybe for some of you in this room, like you feel like people have driven by you your whole life. No one sees value in you. The good news, Jesus does. The only one that opinion matters, God Almighty, Jehovah, Yahweh, he says, you're worth the blood of Jesus. You are worth the highest price. And he didn't just die on the cross to pay for your sins. He died on the cross also because he saw the potential within you. He saw the purpose he knit within you from the foundation and creation of the earth and said, man, there's value there. And as my spirit comes in and invades that house, invades who we are, something starts to happen. How does it start though? It starts with vision. And the question I would ask today, do we carry the same vision God carries towards humanity to the people around us? Do you have a vision for yourself do you have the same vision for yourself that God carries for you? Do you have the same vision for your family that God has for your family? Do you have the same vision for your business place, whatever it is? Do you carry the vision of heaven? Do you carry God's vision? Do you have God goggles on over your life and the people surrounding you in your life and even over yourself? Because I would say this, how you view someone or something will dictate the way you treat it. It will dictate the way you behave towards it. It's interesting we have the word celebrity. What does that mean? It means celebrated people. Have you noticed that we treat celebrities vastly different than we probably treat a homeless person? Why? Because we see that person as valuable. We want their autograph. We want to be associated with them. We take selfies with them. Why? Because we think if we take pictures with someone who's valuable, it will make us valuable. Right, but if we don't see something that's valuable, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to shame anyone, but you've all been in the places where I'm like, man, do I even want to look at this person? I might want to walk by this person. Why? Because you might not see them as valuable, and when you don't see something as valuable, you treat it as such. And so I'd ask us today, with our eyes, how do we see people? Even how do you view yourself? Because I would say in the same way, if you view yourself as not valuable and you aren't defined by the blood of Jesus and the identity he speaks over you, and you see yourself as worthless, I don't know if you ever thought about this, there's a good chance you might treat yourself as worthless. You might be very flippant with your words. Why? Because, well, who cares? No one cares about what I say, so I'll just say whatever. When you start to understand that you were created with influence, if you are a son and daughter of God, which means your father is a king. You're royalty. You ever been around royalty? I haven't very much. I know some of you might think Dave Wilson and Ann Wilson are royalty. They're just my parents. But when you're around royalty, you ever notice they behave a little bit differently? There's manners. In the same way as a church body, as we surrender to God and we become his sons and daughters, Shouldn't we act a little bit differently from a new identity because we have been born again into the family of God? We are royalty. You probably start to talk a little bit differently. Why would you talk differently? Because you actually believe your words matter. And you're on your mouth, you have life to speak identity in the people. 
right? You're not just flippant with your words, right? You might even choose to be in different relationships. Why? Because, I, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I, I've said this before. You usually accept the love you think you deserve, right? When you view yourself as valuable, you're like, man, I'm not going to, you know, I'm talking dating situations to all the young people. You're not like, man, I'm not going to be with that person that treats me poorly because I deserve something greater than that. It's not a place of pride. We walk in humility, right? We consider others better than ourselves at the same time. But you ultimately treat people, even yourself, by how you view them, how you view them. I love this. Even in the scriptures, we do this all the time. And I know my natural reaction, right, in my flesh is to view people with my natural eyes instead of my spiritual eyes. And so there's this, this verse in Acts 9, something happens. Some of you guys know there's this man named Saul who's called Paul in a lot of the scriptures. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, probably the greatest church planner who has ever lived on the earth, doing amazing things for the kingdom of God, but he always wasn't that person. At one point, he was actually believing he was serving God, persecuting Christians. He was whipping them. He was putting them in jail. He was there where they were murdered. He maybe even killed some himself. And so he's so passionate about shutting down their Jesus that he's on the road to Damascus with orders and authority to arrest the Christians and, and really stifle their faith. And some of you guys know as he's on the road in Acts 8, in Damascus, something happens. He has an encounter with Jesus and everything changes. Good news, no matter how far away you are from God, everyone's just one encounter away from Jesus from being forever changed. And so what's interesting is the followers of Jesus they actually, this man has a reputation for putting them in jail and they are scared of them. And so in this, in this scripture, what starts to happen is God calls one of his disciples, Ananias, in Damascus to go pray for Saul and we see his interaction with the Lord. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. I didn't say that. When Saul slash Paul saw the Lord, he went blind. And so he went to the city. So he's blind all by himself. He hasn't eaten. And so the Lord says, Ananias, go and lay hands and restore this man's sight. And Ananias is like, you'll see it right here. He's like, God, do you know who you just told me to go lay hands on here? He says, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name, right? So that's the world's vision. That's how they see him. And then God comes and he has a different vision, right? And he, he wants to give some God goggles to Ananias. And it says this in verse 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Do you understand what's going on here? So Ananias is like, Lord, do you know who this guy is? And the Lord is like, Ananias, do you know who this guy is? Like he sees through his earthly eyes, and he's like, this guy has caused so much harm to the church, he's gonna put me and arrest me. But the perspective of heaven, you know how heaven sees this man? He says, this is my chosen instrument. This is the man I'm gonna use to reach the whole world. Remember reading this verse and feeling so convicted. How many people do I look at in my life? And I say, 
man, I don't know about them. Just drive right by them. I don't see any value in them. And Jesus is screaming to us saying, this is my chosen instrument. You might not see value in them, but I see value in them. And through my spirit and through my power, they could do more for the kingdom than you ever even imagined. Do you know he's looking at you and he's saying the same thing? You might be like, God, I don't know about me. And he's saying, I know about you. I made you. And I can do more through your life than you ever asked or imagined. Ephesians 3.20, through his power that is at work within us. And I love what, what happens. It says, then Ananias went. So he had a new vision, right? He went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he appeared. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. And I would propose he might have seen the same here, but he saw totally different everywhere else because he had new eyes to see because he saw Jesus. And when you see Jesus and then you start going into the world again, you don't see the world the same. You see Jesus everywhere you go and he changes the vision you have for everyone. And I love what happens next. It says, Saul spent several days there with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. Fulfilling his purpose and his destiny that God saw over him even when the world couldn't see it over them. I believe one of the greatest qualities of Jesus, even as you look to him as a leader or whatever you see Jesus as, I believe Jesus is one of the greatest leaders to ever walk on the earth. I would say he was and is the greatest leader to ever walk on earth. And I'd say why. I believe he carried a vision for people and he carried a vision for situations that no one else could see. You look at Jesus, who does he choose as his followers? Fishermen, ordinary men. It says unschooled men, probably people that were more so outcasts in society, right? You have people that were filled with demons. You have people that were prostitutes. And then they meet Jesus. And everything starts to change. I believe he saw value in them before anyone on the world saw value in them. Where the world saw Paul as a persecutor, an angry man, a man to be feared, Jesus saw him as my chosen instrument. When the world saw Peter, right, some of these great early church planners and disciples of Jesus, they saw common fishermen, some ordinary dude, unschooled and ordinary. Jesus saw the, one of the greatest church planners to ever, ever live. Even some of you guys know the story of King David when he was anointed king. He didn't even get invited to the anointing ceremony. Some of you guys know his, his father Jesse invited his sons because the prophet Samuel was coming to anoint the next king. And David didn't get the invite. Luckily, Samuel, the Lord even said, don't look at outward appearance like man looks at. Look at the heart. I look at the heart. That's what the Lord looks at. And so the very man who has gone down in history as one of the greatest kings of Israel in all of history wasn't even invited to the ceremony where they were going to pick the next king. Jesus sees things that we don't see. And I believe through his spirit, he can give us supernatural insight into situations and into people and even ourselves that we cannot see. I think one of my favorite people to hang out with, some of you guys know my mom, Ann Wilson. One of the reasons I love hanging out with my mom 
She sees things in people that no one else sees. And when people get around her, just like they get around Jesus, they start to become people they never thought they could be. And I believe a huge reason of that is because she speaks life and she carries vision for people that God has for them. And I will make a plug because she's speaking this Wednesday night, 7 p.m. at midweek. Grab your friends, come out. It's gonna be an amazing night. And it's even interesting for me, I remember how many, I'm sure you all, I hope you do, I hope at least one person, you remember in your life as a leader, as someone who saw something in you that maybe you couldn't even see in yourself. As someone who saw something in you, right, that no one else could see. Those are the leaders you remember. Those are the leaders that take you to a place you never thought you could be. I remember even for me in my own life, um, when I was a sophomore at Central Michigan University, fire up, we're 0-3. Um, I've shared my story a little bit, but wasn't really walking with Jesus. I remember I had this really bad night. I went out and drank and did some things I wasn't proud of. I remember the next day, I came back to my dorm room and my roommate, who was a follower of Jesus, like devoted to Jesus, he wrote me a letter. And I'll never forget, he wrote me this letter and it was kind of like, dude, what are you doing with your life? But it wasn't like, because you're nothing, I remember him saying, what are you doing with your life, dude? Like, I'm around you at football. Like, you have so much influence, and you could lead so many people. And I remember reading that. And now I can look back, and I realized I never viewed myself as that. And him speaking that to me, it changed something in me to actually realize, like, oh, my actions actually affect people. I don't care who you are in this room. You carry influence. You talk to people every day. Every interaction you have, it's influencing people. Those are the people you remember. And how you view people will dictate how you treat them. And, and, and I, I, I do want to make a, a plug, even with the small groups in the, in the lobby, because, man, you view those as valuable. What do you do? You jump in, man. That's where life change happens. I did a wedding Friday night. I was talking to some guys, the videographers, and I told them that, I was like, I invited them to Kensington, I was like, yeah, but get in a group, like life transformation happens in group. But when you view that as valuable, your actions start to change because what's beautiful in the kingdom of God is everyone is valuable. Like a celebrity, everyone is celebrated. And so me and my wife, Jenna, we, we, you know, we try to practice this. So I remember even, even last week, like the Lord is continually taking us on this journey. And we went over um, to a restaurant. We had our date night. I recommend date night to everyone. Maybe you came to church today to know you got to go on a date night to get that marriage fresh. And uh, so we went over, we, we were eating food and we kind of just said, we didn't use this language, but we were like, let's put on some God goggles right now. And so we just took a moment and we, and we had our waitress and she was super nice and she had an accent. So we had this conversation with her and we were like, okay, let's just pray and ask God if he wants us to say anything. And so we kind of did that. And then my wife starts laughing, like giggling at one point, And I'm like, I didn't say anything funny. So I'm like, what are you giggling about? And she got really excited because she felt like, she's like, I feel like we're just supposed to like bless her and like leave her a really big tip. And I was like, oh, Lord didn't say that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I was, I was excited too. We, like, we actually like put money aside. Like we, we, we do our tithe, but we also have money we put aside to like bless people individually. And we still had that money. And we're like, well, let's give that. You know, like let's give that um, to this girl. And so I kind of like said to her, and we felt like the Lord showed us some other things. And so 
I remember at the end of the meal, she came over and I was like, I want her to know why we're leaving her money. You know what I mean? And I didn't want to just do like the Jesus loves you on the tip thing. That would have been fine if the Lord was calling us to do that. And so I said, this is, this is a really weird. I, so I say, I, so we get the bill and I say, hey, so just so you know, we're about to leave you a really big tip. It's, I mean, obviously she's excited about that. And I'm like, but I want you to know why, because like Jesus loves you and he cares about you. And it was interesting as we felt prompted to do that, we also thought maybe the Lord like is prompting us for a reason, right? That something more is actually going on. And so we, we said that to her because we're like, man, this person's valuable to God. And, and I, I actually thought like if she's never been to church before or she doesn't know anything about God, I want her always to associate Jesus with the people that give her big tips, you know what I mean? Like at the very end of the day, like whenever she thinks about Jesus, at least she'll have a story to go with him. You know what I mean? And so we said that and she responds to us and she, she was like, well, actually like, man, this week has been so hard. Like she got run off the road by a semi, I guess. Her car is in the shop. She's getting repairs. She pulls out her iPhone and shows us the whole screen is shattered. And so she's like, that means so much to me. We didn't, say, we didn't stay to see her reaction to what we gave her. But she was, you could tell it was like, oh my gosh, I'm dying this week and I need this. And so it's funny, when we prayed, one of the things I felt like the Lord showed me was like she might have gone through a bad breakup at some point. And I felt like Jesus was saying like, I'll be the fulfillment of what she's looking for in that relationship. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna share that with her. And so my, my wife, Jenna, she goes, she just says, hey, do you have a younger sister? And I'm like, oh, she felt like the Lord showed her something, and she was like, yeah. And it was amazing. My, my wife started speaking identity into her. And she started speaking like, hey, I, I, I just feel like the Lord wants you to know like you're a great older sister and you're actually made to lead and like you influence people and there's greatness in you, right? And so she started speaking life into them. And I'm like, you know, I'm there and I'm like, oh, I should share what I feel like I'm supposed to share. And she could tell, it was almost like the whole, like, faith was arising. Like, you could tell the, the girl was leaning in, like something was happening. And so it's crazy. I, I just said to her, I'm like, hey, so this is going to be really weird. Like, I, she was, like, probably our age, so she, and she's a girl. And so I'm like, I'm assuming every girl has gone through a bad breakup. I even said that. And I'm like, but have you gone through, like, a bad breakup lately? She goes on to share, right? You don't know what the Lord says to do things. I'm glad I said something because I would have missed out on it. But... She goes on to say, I was actually engaged. The engagement got broke off, and I was supposed to get married this weekend. Crazy. And I'll tell you what, we had so much fun leaving there. We didn't get to see her. I wish we could have seen her open up the tip, but we just took off, and she actually gave us hugs when we left. And I was thinking about that story. You know when you start to see people as valuable? You might go somewhere, and it's the person's job to serve you. But as a follower of Jesus, it's always your job to serve them. And I think there's, there's something powerful. Obviously, we miss it. That's like a highlight story. Doesn't mean I'm always a good you know, customer at a restaurant or anything. But I really believe, man, when you see people differently, things start to change. And we are so good. And I, you know, I'm prone to it, too. Like, I would say this. It's really easy to mine coal. You know what I mean? It's really easy to find coal. It takes work. It takes faith to see golden people. And sometimes the hardest people it might be to see golden is actually the people you are most familiar with because you know all their junk. It might be your family members who are right next to you right now. But man, something powerful starts to happen when you just sit down and say, God, I don't, forget all that. Forget all the junk. 
Just show me how you see them. I want to be your mouthpiece. I want to be your hands and feet. I want my heart to break for what breaks yours. And are there people walking by us every day that God wants to speak to through you by the way you love them, by the way you show them intentional acts of kindness? And, and I'll say this, you usually find what you're looking for. If you're looking for the negative, in anyone you'll find it, because we're all imperfect, I'm imperfect. If you look for the negative, it's not hard to find. But what would it be like to be a people that find gold in people, that look for greatness in every conversation? Man, I see this in you. And you start speaking it out, and you start pulling people into their God-given identity, because you will find what you're looking for. I've been landscaping my house lately, we got it in April. I never cared about landscaping. Everywhere I go now, all I look at is people's landscaping. Because it's what I look for. I judge all your guys' landscaping all the time. You know, I'm like, I want the yard. I'm way too competitive, even with my, like, house. And so what I've realized is you find what you're looking for. What would it be like to be a person that every time you're with someone, you carry your God goggles, you carry God's vision, and you say, man, I want to find greatness. I want to carry grace. And when they're not measuring up, I'm going to show grace, and I'm going to call them higher, right? I'm going to be Jesus to this person. And what's interesting is some of you guys have heard the verse. There's this verse in John 4. And some of you guys know Jesus is interacting. I'd encourage you, if you don't know the story, go home and read it in John 4. And John um, Jesus, is one of his disciples, as he writes this eyewitness account of Jesus' life, what he commonly does as a literary tactic, I think it's really interesting, is he'll share a testimony or a story of Jesus, and then he'll draw a scriptural parallel. And he does the same thing in John 4. He talks about Jesus interacting with this Samaritan woman. Let me say this. No one was interacting with Samaritan women that were Jewish men. First of all, because Jewish rabbis, which Jesus was, did not speak to women, and they actually weren't even allowed to teach them in that culture. Okay, so that's the first thing. Second thing, she's a Samaritan woman. What it means that she's a Samaritan woman, the Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. Actually, if they had to pass through the city of, of, of Samaria to get somewhere, they would actually go around it because they didn't want to associate with them because they viewed Samaritans as less than because they had impure, I'd say like impure blood almost. It was, it was Jewish people who in the past then married from foreign relations and their offspring were not pure Jews, right? It was almost like they didn't view them as pure. They viewed them as less than. They wouldn't even let them worship at the same temple as them. And so Jesus is talking to this woman. They have this spiritual conversation and she leaves the conversation saying, come see the man who knew everything about me. Come see the man who sees me. That's what she was saying. And so she goes into the town and right in the middle of her having the conversation with Jesus... Jesus has a conversation with the disciples before she goes back into the city and leads the whole place to Jesus. And what's interesting is you can tell the disciples when they come to see him, they're like, what were you doing? Why were you talking to them? They're like confused, like why are you talking to this woman? And it's interesting, most of you guys have heard this verse, but in context, I think it's even more powerful. Jesus said, my food to his disciples is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. Put on your God goggles. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. I think there's two things to know. First, he's saying, right now, not in four months, not in five months, when you leave this place, there is a harvest right in front of you. It's not about waiting for it. 
There is a harvest right now. The second thing I think he's saying within the context of this scripture, he's saying, and you know where the harvest is? It's with the people you don't want to associate with. It's with the people that you don't see. You know how I'm going to reach that city? It's through this woman no one wants to talk to. And where they see the Samaritan woman, he sees leads evangelists for the whole city. And what is that happening? She goes and tells them. She goes and tells them about the man who saw everything, and they come and see them, and then they have a personal experience with Jesus. It ends like this. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is really the Savior of the world. I believe in the context of the Scripture, what Jesus is saying is there is a harvest available. I didn't get into it in other services. As I read this this year, I, I think what the Lord's saying, we don't have a plan for it in place. I think the Lord's saying, you know where the harvest is that you guys are looking for? It's in Pontiac. It's where none of you guys want to go. With all the people you don't want to associate with. You want to know where I want to bring revival? It's in Pontiac, but none of you will go talk to the people there. And I'm convicted myself. We need a plan. We need to go figure out how to love the people that are down there that we don't want to associate with. But it starts with us having a new vision. We have to see things differently. And so we have a video, it's, it, it's fun each week, we actually have a video of people going out and doing intentional acts of kindness. And as we do that, we're actually gonna have the ushers come forward, we're gonna, we're gonna give an offering. Um, and, and, and additionally, I wanna say this, some of you guys have seen the hurricane um, Florence in the Carolinas, and we actually have, if you wanna specifically give um, to hurricane relief, you actually can go on the app, Kensington app, and go to giving, and you also can just text it in um, which I believe it's to the number, oh, here it is, 77977 to Kensington Special. So we invite you guys to give to that as you feel led, but I would encourage you, it's the same thing with anything, man. If you see giving money to the Lord is valuable, you'll do it, right? And more than that, like, because I think a lot of times we give because we love the cause, but as a follower of Jesus, you give because he tells you to give. And actually, generosity breaks greed. It's actually spiritual warfare. And so I would encourage you guys, give as you feel led and Enjoy this Intentional Acts of Kindness video. Hey everybody, my name is Richie Christie. I'm Amanda Kozlowski. And we have something really exciting that we get to be a part of today, don't we Amanda? Yes, I'm super pumped. We get to go to a bunch of diners today. We're gonna order a little bit of food and then... We are going to leave a huge tip to absolutely bless these people and show them that they're loved. I can't wait, it's gonna be so awesome. Yes, so here we go, get ready. Amanda and Richie, shoot a video. <laughs> it's going great. Hi, my name is Dorita. Awesome. How long have you worked here for? Worked here seven years. I have four kids. Four kids? Oh, wow. He was born okay, but he had um, hydrology, like you can have in your heart. We're in our second restaurant, number two. Excited. Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm feeling like mozzarella cheese sticks. What are you? <laughs> my name's Nikki. Nikki, Nikki, have you worked here for a while? Yes. On and off since I was 15. No oh, way. Really? Yeah. So you're like the Nellos legend. <laughs> She's definitely the veteran wait waitress here, yes. so we're really excited to have her. Definitely on purpose that we got her. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, What's the definitely. worst part about waitressing? The worst part is I do feel like people don't talk down to me. Uh, quite a bit. Yeah. So, that is a downside. Diner number three. This lady's freaking awesome already. She's, She's, <laughs> She's the only waitress here. She's answering the phone. Taking phones, care of the whole restaurant. Taking care of the, like, the bar, the whole restaurant. Yeah. So it's going to be fun. I've been at Hamble since 2014. 
That's awesome. I, uh, and every time I see that, uh, I mean, the favorite 
favorite part is the reaction of the people, you know, just the, the joy. And I, I, think it's, I think it's funny that that last woman, you know, who became the lead evangelist for the, uh, the restaurant, that woman, that was God. Even the guy was like, don't, don't you can tell, he's like, don't tell, talk to me about that God stuff. You know, I heard a, I heard a story and, and I'm gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna share kind of what we're, we're thinking as a campus and as a whole at Kensington, what we're gonna do with this series. But I think this story fits so well within it. Um, we were at a midweek uh, a few weeks ago and a woman brought a story from our prayer team forward um, and was essentially saying like, he's trying to just like live this message and like hear God and when he feels prompted, he j- just wants to go for it. And so it was Labor Day and he, he ordered a pizza from, from Domino's, I, I believe. And they told him like, hey, we don't have any drivers today. So if you want a pizza, like you're gonna have to come in. So he said he goes in and the place is just like packed out, really behind Everyone's waiting for their pizza, kind of angry. And there was one man there that he noticed that he had eyes for, that he had vision for, that got up to get his pizza after waiting an hour and a half. They had a conversation. He found that out an hour and a half. He goes up there to get the pizza, the wrong pizza, after waiting an hour and a half. And he didn't throw it back. He said he actually really kindly, he was watching this whole situation. He like was kind about it and was like, hey, it's okay you know, showed integrity and like respect and he sat down. And so this guy's sitting there and he's like, man, I feel like I should do something. And he just said, God, what do you want me to do? And he felt like the Lord said, go encourage him. And so he just went over and started encouraging this guy and just saying, hey man, I just saw the way you handled that. I just want to say like, man, you just really, um, sorry. You really handled that like super well. And uh, the guy responded to him and he shared with him after he like was really kind, he just shared with him, yeah, my son passed away yesterday. And the reason I'm emotional, I, um, which is not rare, but <laughs> no, I just felt like, um, I feel convicted of just, um, and I'm always blown away when you step out like in faith sometimes. And like, I'll be honest, sometimes you guys hear like highlight stories sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't really mean much and you never know what it means to the person. Um, but I mean, some of you in the room today, there's just so many people that are hurting. Um, and you were so caught up in our own things. We just don't see. And... Uh, it's just powerful to think about, you know, from that place. And I know in and of myself, none of us have any strength. And when I really see people, it's when I'm with the Lord in, the mo- in, in like the morning when I choose him and he fills me with his love. And I think sometimes when you realize you're seen by him, it empowers you to see other people the way he sees them. And so I think it'd be false to just say like, man, go out and love everyone. You will not. And I cannot. But as we're connected to Jesus, as we said, as we remain in the vine, we bear so much fruit. And there is a harvest right in front of us. And I hope we're people that just take the time to see. And so this guy got up after that conversation and the dude, I think he prayed again and just felt like the Lord said, go pray for him. So he went after him and he found him in the parking lot and he prayed over him just for his son and everything that was going on. And this guy went above and beyond. I heard this story and I was like, wow, that's love. That's what I thought went home, found the obituary in the newspaper and went to the viewing the next day. 
the next day to check on this guy. Said the guy called his friends over and said, this is the guy that prayed with me yesterday. They were hearing that story and just thinking, first of all, God speaks to everyone. You know, you have two qualifications to be used by God. Do what he says and be available. That's it. You don't need a degree. You might need a little bit of courage, but he'll use you if you want to be used. And just thinking of that story, like, man, that's Jesus. Like, that's Jesus right there. Last point is this. When you wear God goggles, you see Jesus in everyone. You see Jesus in everyone. Jesus shares this story in Matthew 25 as a parable. He splits people into two categories. And the difference in these people, some of them cared for people and the other ones didn't care for people. And he says this, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger to invite you in or needing clothes to clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you. This is what he says. Then truly, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. And then he goes on to this other group of people and says, you guys didn't do anything. And they're judged for that. And the ones that did, what is he saying? Every time you do an act of kindness, it's like you're doing an act of kindness to Jesus. You start to see Jesus in every one, everywhere you go, every person you interact with, you start to see Jesus in. And so what's exciting, what we're gonna do is you guys are, the ushers are gonna come down and they're gonna hand out this card. It's kind of like an action step. If you wanna get involved, um, the kingdom of God is a participatory sport, not a spectator sport. So we're gonna get involved a little bit, but these cards say, pass it on. That's all they say on it. We didn't want it to say Kensington or like Jesus loves you because we want it to be organic. But what we're asking everyone to do, the ushers are gonna hand these out, take three, pass them on, pass it on. And what we're hoping this week that you'll do is you'll go out and you'll do an intentional act of kindness for the glory of Jesus in relationship with him. And actually, if you walked in today, you'll notice as you leave, there's this wall in the lobby and there's these little places where there's, there's, there's gonna be these blank things on them next week. And our hope is as you go out and do these things, you'll come back and you'll write down like the story or the testimony and you'll hang it back up. And what I would hope next week is we each participate in this and we make Jesus know, maybe it's inviting someone and maybe you don't give them this. Maybe it doesn't feel natural to give this away, right? Um, but you just choose to see and you choose to be kind. And hopefully, I hope and there's just hundreds of stories next week, that next week there's like a buzz in the lobby that's like, oh man, this is what happened this week. Let me tell you about, man, that's life and that's life to the full. And what's cool, Kensington's so big, I think there's like 13 to 15,000 of us that go to church here. That is, if all three of us did this, 
that's 45,000 acts of kindness. If one person that you gave it to passed it on, that's 90,000 acts of kindness in the Metro Detroit area for the glory and for the name of Jesus. You guys in with that? You're in with that? And so this is what I'd love to do um, even as we end today. And I actually want to say one more thing. For some of you in the room, I wrote this down because I forgot to put this. This card says it's not too late. Because I feel like for some of you in the room today, maybe you felt like I've carried the wrong vision for someone my whole life. It's not too late to get in your car and make a call. It's not too late to apologize and ask for forgiveness. It's not too late, whether you're 80 or you're 10 years old, for your whole life to be turned around. Jesus is the God who meets people on a road to go persecute his followers. And in one instance, his whole life's changed. Wherever you're at, whatever you've done, it's not too late to give your life to Jesus. It's not too late to repent and walk out of the door and have your whole life change all around. He will give you power that you don't believe in. And as we end today, we're gonna sing that song again, God So Loved, just one more time as we get to know it and just declare it. And so what I want you to do, I wanna ask you to stand because I just wanna pray for us as we go out this week for courage and for vision. And even if you want to, I always say this is like the posture to receive, but if you wanna put your hands out, I just wanna pray God's blessing over you um, as we sing one more song. So Father, I just, I just pray right now. I thank you for each and every person in this room, God. I thank you. Um, just for the journey that you have them on. And I pray if they don't know you, God, they can just say, Jesus, I wanna know you. And you hear them, that you're that close, God. But I pray this, this week, God, give us courage to love in the way that you love. Give us vision, supernatural vision. Unleash, unleash even gifts from your spirit right now, God, so that people would have insight that they could not have apart from you, God, that you give us fresh visions that everywhere we go, we would see Jesus, we would love like Jesus, we would make Jesus famous for the glory of Jesus, Father. So I pray your protection, I pray your blessing, and I pray your strength over each and every one of us as we go out into the world. And I thank you, God, that we're not just a church that gathers, we are a church that goes into all the world to make you know, God. And so put a fire within us, God, that will burn as we leave this place, Jesus. We love you and we thank you, God, that we're here because you loved us first, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen.